This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. Have you ever read the 1899 published article, Letter to Garcia? If not, that's okay. We believe its principles and thoughts are just as applicable today as they were back then. But before we get into this topic, thank you for waiting for a new episode to come out. It's been almost three months since our last episode, and I know it's been a while, and that's because a lot has happened since our last episode. I moved and I'm integrating into a new job and we're just getting things back down to normal and establishing our routines. Anyone who has moved with several kids knows it takes a minute to get everything situated. So thank you for your patience and understanding. And I hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend and stayed safe. Albert Hubbard wrote the letter to Garcia and it came out because he was talking to a friend about who he thought the actual hero of the Spanish-American War was. Here is the majority of it, but not all of it, an excerpt, if you will. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly to the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain fastness of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail or telegraph could reach him. The president must secure his cooperation and quickly what to do. Someone said to the president, there's a fellow by the name of Rowan will find Garcia for you, if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, and four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot and having delivered his letter to Garcia. Are things I have no special to desire to know in detail? The point I wish to make here is this. McKinley gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he at? By the eternal. There is a man whose form should be cast into deathless bronze and, and the statue placed in every college in the land. It is not book learning that young men need, nor instruction about how to do this or that, but a stiffening of the vertebrae which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to pro act promptly, to concentrate their energies, to do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed, but has been well-nigh appalled at times by the imbecility of an average man, the inability or unwillingness to concentrate on a thing and to do it. Slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, dowdy indifference, and half-hearted work seem the rule. And no man succeeds unless by hook or crook or threat. He forces or bribes other men to assist him. Or mayhap, God in his goodness performs a miracle and sends him an angel of light for an assistant. You, reader, put this to a test. You are now, you are sitting in your office. Six clerks are within your call. 
summon anyone who makes this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Correggio. Will the clerk quietly say, yes, sir, and go do the task? On your life, he will not. He will look at you out of a fisheye and ask one or more questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Where is the encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? Do you mean Bismarck? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Shouldn't I bring you the book and let you look it up yourself? What do you want to know for? And I will lay to you 10 to 1 that after you answered the questions and explained how to find the information and why you want it, the clerk will go off and get another clerk to help him find Garcia, and then come back and tell you there is no such man. Of course I may lose this bet, but according to the law of average, I will not. Now, if you are wise, you will not bother to explain to your assistant that Correggio is indexed under C's, not the K's, but you will smile sweetly and say, never mind, and you'll go look it up yourself. And this incapacity for independent action, this moral stupidity, this infirmity of the will, this unwillingness to cheerfully catch hold and lift are the things that put pure socialism so far into the future. If men will not act for themselves, what will they do for the benefit of us all? A first mate with knotted club seems necessary, and the dread of getting the bounce Saturday night holds a worker in his place. Advertise for a stenographer, nine times out of ten, who apply can neither spell nor punctuate, and don't think it's necessary to do so. Can such a one write a letter for Garcia? You see the bookkeeper, said a foreman to me in a large factory? Yes, what about him? Well, he's a fine accountant, but if I'd ask him to go to town on an errand, he might accomplish that errand all right, but on the other hand, he might stop at four saloons on the way, and when he got to the main street, would forget what he had been sent out for. Can such a man be entrusted to carry a message for Garcia? We have recently been hearing about the maudlin sympathy and the homeless wanderer searching for an honest employment, and with it all often go many hard words for the men in power. Nothing is said about the employer who grows old before his time in vain attempt to get frowsy near do wells to do intelligent work, and his long patient striving with help that goes nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory, there is a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is constantly sending away help to have shown their incapacity to further the interest of the business, and others are being taken on. And no matter how good times are, this sorting continues. Only if times are hard and work is scarce, this type of sorting is done finer, but out and forever out. The incompetent and unworthy go. It is a survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best of those who can carry a message to Garcia. I know one man of, a really, of really brilliant parts who has not the ability to manage a business of his own and yet who is absolutely worthless to anyone else because he carries with him constant the insane suspicion that his employer is oppressing him or intending to oppress him. He cannot give orders, nor will he receive them. Should a message be given to him to take to Garcia? His answer would probably be, take it yourself. Tonight this man walks the streets looking for work, the wind whistling through his threadbare coat. No one who knows him dare to employ him, for he is the regular firebrand of discontent. He is impervious to reason, 
and the only thing that can impress him is the toe of the thick-soled size 9 boot. Of course, I know that one so morally deformed is no less to be pitied than a physical cripple. But in your pitying, let's, let us drop a tear, too, for the men who are striving to carry on a great enterprise, whose working hours are not limited by the whistle, and whose hair is fastly turning white through the struggle to hold the line and dowdy indifference, slipshod imbecility, and the heartless ingratitude for which their enterprise would be both hungry and homeless. Have I put the matter too strongly? Probably. I have. But when all the world has gone a-slumbering, I wish to speak a word of sympathy for the man who succeeds, for the man who, against all great odds, has directed the efforts of others, and having succeeded, finds there's nothing in it, nothing but bare board and clothes. I have carried a dinner pail and worked for for a day's wages, and I have also been an employer of labor, and I know there is something to be said on both sides." There is no excellence per se in poverty, rags are no recommendation, and all employers are not rapacious and high-handed any more than all poor men are virtuous. My heart goes out to the man who does his work when the boss is away, as well as when he is home, and the man who, when given a letter to Garcia, quietly takes the missive without asking any idiotic questions, without no lurking intentions of chuckling into the nearest sewer, or doing aught else but deliver it never gets laid off, nor has to go on strike for higher wages. Civilization is one long, anxious search for just such individuals. Anything such a man asks will be granted. His kind is so rare that no employer can afford to let him go. He is wanted in every city, town, and village, in every office, shop, store, and factory. The world cries out for such. He is needed, and needed badly, the man who can deliver a message to Garcia. So what are the implications of this letter? In my experience, I have found that if you give someone a task, most of the time they will come back to you and ask you questions uh, that are needed. Now, the question is, is this a problem? Yes and no. You need to take a look at it in two lenses. One, if you're the leader and you're supposed to be energizing people and getting them to act, are you giving them enough information and guidance that they can do what they need to do. Now, if you have done that and they still come back with all those other questions to help them on how to get it done and not uh, how can I meet your intent better, then you know you, you kind of need to maybe give them this letter for them to read. So I'll give you a perfect example about an everyday situation on what I'm talking about. My oldest son, who's incredibly smart and going off to college this fall, If I tell him, hey man, I need you to take out the trash, I get the following questions back. Where is the trash? Do you want me to check the bathrooms too and take that trash out? Do you want me to take the trash to the road so that the trash company can come and pick it up? How much trash do you really want me to take it out? Or even a simpler request since we just moved, hey man, I need you to get me a screwdriver. I get what kind of screwdriver, where is the screwdriver? Do you know where the screwdriver is? What size screwdriver do you want? Now, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, but this correlates to the work environment as well. If you ask somebody for a report on a topic or for them to produce a product for you, what do you get back? Do you get back clarifying questions to help 
with the execution of the request, or do you get back questions like we just heard in the letter to Garcia? I find that we need to empower initiative and let people take complete control of what's in their span and scope of responsibility. Uh, you know, so that way they can gleam all the implicit and implied knowledge of the task being asked, and then they can put it into action. I find that those people that ask a lot of questions tend to be micromanaged or have been micromanaged in the past, and they don't feel like they have the freedom to show the initiative that they really want to show. They've been beaten down over the years, uh, and so their experience is, if I ask all the questions up front, then I'm not going to get berated at the end when I deliver a product that's probably not up to par because the leader gave vague guidance. So if you find yourself as a leader and you see people are delivering constant subpar work to you, you need to take a hard look in the mirror and you need to go, am I giving the correct guidance? Am I giving the right guidance? Am I communicating properly to the people that I'm working with? Maybe the problem's with me and not with everybody else. Now, if it's with one or two other people um, on your team and you're kind of like not getting it, well, then you kind of need to sit them down and talk to them. And I would recommend that anybody in any leadership position reads this letter to Garcia and kind of think about it for themselves and dissect it and take apart really the principles he's talking about here, you know, get rid of some of the extraneous stuff. But what he's really talking about is if you give someone a task, how much initiative are they willing to take? Or are they the type of person that's only going to take initiative in front of the boss just to look good in front of the boss? Or are they going to take it and go get somebody else to help them and take away from productivity in another part of the organization? So those are you know, real world problems that we still deal with today. It existed in 1899 and it exists in 2022. Is that problem ever going to go away? No, I don't think so. I think it's just human nature. So how do we help human nature and we get people to the right place where we can get maximum productivity out of everybody? Um, and, and it's a problem that I think is going to continue to go on. And you see in great organizations where you have high productivity and high standards being met is because you have that empowerment of initiative. You let people take the ball and let them run with it. And if they make mistakes, you'd be like, okay, well, these are the mistakes you made along the way. Just don't repeat the same mistake again and you're fine. But thank you for taking the initiative. I would much rather have to rein somebody in than to kickstart somebody onto something. That's just the type of person I am. Just think about this. If you're listening to this, which person are you? Are you like Rowan and you're given a task and you go out and you deliver it and you meet the expectations? Or are you the type of person that you feel like you have to ask all these questions? Well, I would ask, ask yourself why you feel like you have to ask all those questions. And then if you still feel like you have to ask those questions because you lack the guidance that wasn't really given to you correctly in the first place then I would encourage you to go back to your leadership and say, hey, I need more guidance on this because I don't feel like I'm getting the right amount of guidance from you. Some things are simple, some things are not. Sometimes we need to have hard conversations with people, and that's okay. That's why we're leaders. And if you really like the organization you work with and you work for, 
then you you should be willing to go back to your leadership and make them better as well. So I would like to ask, um, if you haven't seen our Facebook page, I'm actually going to post this article and make a little Facebook post about it. But if you listen to this episode and you read the article, or if you just want to make a comment, please check out our Facebook page and let me know what you think about the article and what do you, what you think about the principles involved here. Uh, I'm really interested in that. So if you don't know what our Facebook page is, there's a link in the description um, in this episode. I want to thank you for stopping by and listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Before we go, I would like to ask a favor of you. If you could please share this episode with one or two people who you think might like it. And if you haven't followed or subscribed on the platform you're listening to this on, please hit that subscribe button or follow button and hit the alert icon so that way you know when we come out with new episodes. If you got some value out of this episode, please leave a podcast review so we can help spread the show with one or two other people who might be interested in the topic but just haven't found our page yet. Again, thank you for stopping by and listening to this episode. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious.